Hey, this is Raheem Moster, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, to the week nine edition of the rosterwatch.com trade cast. Of course, my name is Byron Lambert, and it's a pleasure uh, joining everybody again uh, for what is an interesting trade market this week. I think we're going to get a little bit of creative on the sell side of the market. Really, there's a lot of names, I think, just in play potentially in either direction on the trade market this week that we kind of just want to discuss their status. Ultimately, a lot of times guys like that can be holds, but I think these are names that are going to potentially come up and it could be circumstantial in your league. So we'll definitely want to cover those guys. And then on the buy side, I think we'll be opportunistic this week, um, but there are definitely a handful of really intriguing targets. So uh, let's dive right into it. Uh, like I said, on the sell side of the Week 9 fantasy football trade market right here on the RosterWatch.com TradeCast, um, I thought we'd come out swinging with some unorthodox, maybe surprising, creative takes. Um, I think that's what it requires to uh, to be to have some ingenuity. Um, you got to be a little bit clever sometimes if you... Uh, really want to be successful on the trade market and kind of outsmart your league mates, right? So we always talk at Roster Watch about zigging when other people zag. And you know what? I'm thinking about zigging with Chase Claypool at the moment. He has been traded to the Chicago Bears, which has created some hype and some momentum around him uh, at this juncture of the fantasy season. But potentially there's some teeth to that that might be legitimate. Um, All of that said, like, this is all about being opportunistic. It's not a perfect science. We use our gut a little bit here. We go on the data. We look at the circumstances. And, you know, we try to use basic logic here. And the logic dictates that Chase Claypool, his season, his value is basically at a season high at the moment. So, in some, to some degree, by definition, that makes him, if not a sell high or not a sell, at least, you know, investigate, can I sell high on Chase Claypool, who, oh, this is ugly, let's see here, half point PPR on the season, Chase Claypool is, oh goodness, he's not even, Chase Clay, I I gotta wipe my eyes and double check this, half point PPR, points per game on the season, Chase Claypool's wide receiver 60. Folks, what do we have to lose here? Yeah, there's some upside. And we've seen with Claypool, like, he's flashed upside, at least early in his career, where he said, man, if he gets opportunities, he could be kind of a big-time player. But I think we know a little bit who he is at this moment. Maybe he can become an ascendant player. But I don't think he's really put it all together in the NFL. And I'm not sure he's arriving in that much better of a situation in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, I think you can argue you don't have Pickens, you don't have Deontay Johnson, 
Fryermuth, Najee Harris. There's a lot of guys taking targets from Claypool in Pittsburgh. Um, so maybe the targets go up. Um, they should go up in Chicago. It's only been about, I think, six or seven targets a game for Chase Claypool. And really, to be an impact player on a consistent basis, you're, that's going to require more. All of that said, he's going to a Justin Fields-led offense in Chicago, which, by the way, is heating up, and Fields has been more productive lately. A lot of that's been on the back of him getting involved as a, a runner at the quarterback position. Um, you know, but I think you could argue the offense maybe is a step back here than, than in Pittsburgh. It's it's unclear. I, I what I what I think is clear is that. It's probably not the enormous upgrade that some people are insinuating at this moment. And if that is kind of the ethos in your league at this juncture, or really even with any of your league mates, it makes him a perfect opportunity, a perfect target to potentially be opportunistic with on the trade market. Heck, you might be getting people trying to trade. You might be receiving trade requests right now for Chase Claypool if you roster him and not sure what to do with him. And what I would recommend is if if you can do a good deal, get good value on Chase Claypool, you know, what is good value? Good value is taking Chase Claypool, pairing him with one other player, and trading for a top shelf or at least quasi top shelf type of player in a consolidation trade. Or, you know, I, in my mind, Chase Claypool doesn't have the value to really be liquidated. But I suppose if somebody's really bullish on them and, you know, you can get a couple of decent players in return, I mean, that's certainly something that I would consider depending on my roster situation uh, in my league. So Chase Claypool, uh, now wide receiver with the Chicago Bears, I think he's an interesting guy. He's an interesting guy to just see see what's out there this week. Let's take a look at his... Oh, let's see what his schedule looks like. So he's got a good, pretty good matchup at home with the Miami Dolphins this week, and then another what's going to be another good matchup at home in Week Ten with the Detroit Lions. I think there's a lot you can sell here, you know. And this is not, this is all notwithstanding the fact that he still has to acclimate to a new offensive system. I, I just, you know, I to me the hype, the the potential hype around this Chase Claypool. Uh, arrival in Chicago as it relates to his fantasy value is it could be incongruent with his actual value at least in the short term I think that creates some arbitrage that we may consider attempting to capitalize on in our fantasy league potentially even more creative more audacious I mean I could get pushback from this from many people in the industry probably but that's what we do we flip things on their head a little bit and we try to take a creative but logical angle on things, and um, that's what that's what makes us prolific at identifying opportunities when other people just don't have the vision for it. And my third eye, my vision, tells me that selling high on Naeem Hines might be a smart idea at the moment. It feels like the the energy around Naeem Hines and our fantasy leagues and the fantasy industry potentially in your league. I got people texting me, friends texting me about him. I think it's like the hype is big. Why? Because he's now a Buffalo Bill. So people say, oh my God, the Bills are the best team in the NFL. Josh Allen's on fire. That offense is prolific. They've been missing a piece like this who can 
catch the football. You know, there was whispers of McCaffrey, et cetera. The difference is if McCaffrey had gone to Buffalo, he would have taken over the full-time job. I don't see that as the situation with Naeem Hines. I mean, to me, this is going to continue to be a committee. He doesn't send Devin Singletary to the bench full-time. I mean, what he does do is he eliminates James Cook in that offense. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, he's a similar player to a, to a Singletary, the difference being he actually catches the ball. So I see that being a combination backfield in Buffalo, which is basically the situation that Hines has been in Indianapolis to some extent. Now, he's been behind an absolute baller in Jonathan Taylor. That's not the case in Buffalo, and there's an uptick in the offense here. But, you know, ultimately, I think if you take a look at, you know, this is to me, this is very interesting. Let's see. Let's see where Niam Hines has been points per game on the season, half-point PPR at this point in our league. Niam Hines, points per game, half-point PPR. I mean, this is this is ugly. Okay, so he's been he, – he hasn't even been a running back four on the season. So I guess you could technically make the argument there's nowhere to go up and his value is going to increase. So – you know, so maybe he's not a maybe he's not a sell. I suppose. I guess you could argue. Some people might try to argue he's a buy in this case. I bet. I don't think you're going to have the opportunity uh, just based on the hype at at the moment. And if you look at this now, if you go to Devin Singletary points per game on the season, He's RB32 and half-point PPR points per game on the season. Devin Singletary. So he's a a running back three. So ultimately, I think you're talking about a couple of guys here who are going to be, you know, flex players. So if there's a sentiment in your league that Naeem Hines is really a popular asset at this moment, I think you should look in the mirror and say, like, he's ultimately only going to be a flex player. What can I do with him? I think more than likely he could be the kind of guy you throw into a deal right now that could get you over the top for a really good player in return if you're um shipping off, you know, a couple of a, a couple of guys there. I'm just trying to think this through right here on the podcast. I mean, if he's uh you know, is is his is his value going to increase over what it's been? Yes, but that's not the price you're going to be paying for him. You're going to be paying market price at this moment, which is based on the perception of, you know, what he's going to be. And I would let that wear off. I think I would capitalize on that before people start to find out what the truth is. Again, there could be a little bit of an acclimation period, not as much for the running back here. But I truly think Naeem Hines, I mean, if you keep him fine, you know, you're going to have a you're going to have a better player than to some extent than you had in Indianapolis. Still not going to be a, a league winner minus an injury in Buffalo. Um, can you? Can you? Do you want to buy on him at this moment? Probably not because his value is the highest it's been all season, just based on the circumstances. And that right there tells me that if you're going to try to make any move with him, it would be to sell him. I would recommend doing it. I think it's a creative move. I don't think there's an enormous amount of downside if you're able to use him to get a really good, you know, in a deal to get some type of significantly better player in return. Um, I think you'd be smart to look at it. Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers, wide receiver of the New England Patriots. He's been here on this podcast a couple times 
this season. I mean, he ultimately kind of is what he is. He's been a great value in drafts. He gets the targets. None of the other wide receivers are really reliable. And he's points per game on the season, wide receiver 14. That's pretty much the – that's kind of what he's becoming, truthfully. So he's a good fantasy asset at this point. Um, that's still inflated over where he – I believe where he finished last year, even with all the targets. Um, still in my mind – and, you know, this is Jacoby Myers on a – a less than thrilling Patriots offense. You know, shouldn't you try to use him to to level up for a better player and a consolidation deal? I think so. You know, are you going to get the value on him though? Do people recognize he's wide receiver fourteen? Do you know? Do they underestimate him? Do they undervalue him? You know, you know, maybe so, but I just think it would be prudent. Look at Jacoby Myers as more of like a wide receiver three on your roster who who could very well be overperforming um, at this point. And nonetheless, I think a guy like that is just worth taking a risk. If you can throw him in a deal to get you over the top for a more prestigious, more elite, more reliable um, player in return, I like he, you got to part with somebody in these deals, right? He's somebody you can live with parting. Now, the question is, what kind of perceived value does he demand in your league? It may never be commensurate, which may actually make him a hold in a lot of leagues. But I really think it's worth uh, looking into. At the running back position, this is an interesting one. Uh, Jamal Williams in Detroit. He's been on this podcast a couple of times this year. Uh, Really turned out to be a great fantasy asset. A lot of it in the absence of DeAndre Swift. It's all he's, you know, he's been the beneficiary. Jamal Williams has been um, outperformed DeAndre Swift last week on the heels of two touchdowns. DeAndre Swift not fully healthy. Nick, you know, unclear. You know, the, the, you know, Dan Campbell says he's not. He's not fully healthy, and you know, he missed some practice this week. He has returned to practice. It looks like he's going to play this week, but you know it sounds like he's less. DeAndre Swift is less than a hundred percent. So, you know, if you drill into the numbers using the touch, uh, the snap counts, touches, and targets tool at rosterwatch.com uh, from last week, it's, it's interesting because the narrative was is that Swift was not a hundred percent, and people looked down, and you know, even though it was on the back of two touchdowns, Jamal Williams had the better fantasy game last week. When they were both in the game. Now, if you and he outtouched him 13 to 10. That said, if you kind of look into the numbers, DeAndre Swift did outsnap Jamal Williams 55 to 37% last week. So uh, a good, good margin of difference there. That said, you know, 55% snap count is just is not not elite for what you know you would have hoped out of DeAndre Swift earlier in the season, but I think all of this kind of corroborates. It was five targets for Swift last week, so that's nice. I mean, he had like a twelve point game and half point PPR, but you know he's had a couple of games like that in the last six weeks. Otherwise, it was a big week one and a bunch of missed time in between. And I mean his his value has to have fallen. Uh, DeAndre Swift's has, so you know what does that mean? I'm you know Jamal Williams. At this moment, I think has a good amount of value in leagues, and it may be untenable 
you know, that, that value currently for Jamal Williams, especially it looks like DeAndre Swift is going to play this week. So, you know, to me, Jamal Williams, he, in the end, he's, he, that he's the guy that they want to be like the two a in this offense. Um, he's been a good player. He's really paid off and return value. If you have to hold him, I think holding Jamal Williams is fine. looks like he's got a good role here. It looks like it's going to be a while before Swift is healthy. Um, that said, I mean, it looks like Swift is on the trajectory of reintegrating into this offense, even though, albeit maybe slowly, and we'll see if he can get back to his maximum capabilities. But, um, you know, it's a split-time backfield. It's Jamal Williams. You don't want to trade him for peanuts. He's not a must-sell. But he's he's a guy like Kobe Myers that if you have to – He's the kind of guy like if you need to throw him into a deal to get uh, to get something over the finish line uh, for a superior player in return. I just think these are the risks that you have to take. You have to consider taking them. Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you really gotta take, you gotta take some chances. You have to, you have to take some chances. Uh, if you want to succeed, really. So none of this is a perfect science. But being being proactive is going to ultimately, in the long run, put you in a little bit better um, position, especially if you have good information um, and good advice, just like you get here every week on the rosterwatch.com tradecast. Uh, on the wide receiver side, we talked about last week, maybe selling high on Tyler Boyd. Uh, had a big, pretty big game. Well, not too long after that podcast, we found out that Jamar Chase is going to be missing, I don't know, about a month, depending on what you read, with a like a fairly significant, I don't know, a significant, I don't know how significant the hip issue is. If it's only going to be four to six weeks, I think he avoided IR. But that said, like you read about it, it's like a tear in a labrum and a little bit of a fracture or something like that. That sounds pretty ugly um, for Jamar Chase, at least on paper. So, you know, what are you going to do with Tyler Boyd now? I mean, he's had another decent game last week. Um, you know, in my view, this just means that his value, we said last week, it, like, and this is before we even knew the Jamar Chase stuff. We said this, you know, Boyd might be a guy you just kind of monitor. Sometimes we're a little bit early on some of these things. But at this point, I think, like, he, you, if you have him, you feel really good about what you've got with Tyler Boyd and the value and utility you'll be able to extract from him in the coming weeks. That said, like if you're opportunistic and you've got a deep team, like he's the perfect guy. I mean, you know, what are you going to do with Tyler Boyd six weeks from now, right? And this is the fact is his value has to be at an all time high on the season. And he's got marketability because people think he's going to be useful for the foreseeable future because of the absence of Jamar Chase. So if you wait too long, you know, you're, even if he's performing well, if it, once we're closer to Chase returning, that's going to put a real damper on Boyd's you know, future projected value, which could affect your ability to do a deal with him. Chris Olavi of the New Orleans Saints. I hesitated to even put him on here because it was really only one somewhat down week last week. And, you know, we're not knee-jerk that every week it's just like somebody has like a middling game that all of a sudden they're a buy low, especially if they've been good all season, which pretty much Chris Olave uh, has been. Um, that said, I saw Michael Thomas is now out for the season. So 
you know, that's been part of, I guess that's been part of my apprehension to just, I think I think the specter of a Michael Thomas return, you know, has maybe always it's made it unclear, you know, will Olave's value come back down to earth over the course of the season as a rookie, as we get guys like Jarvis Landry potential, Michael Thomas back. And the way I see it is no Michael Thomas now, even though you're not maybe able to this was kind of a compound thing for me. I was like, all right. Chris Olave had a seven-point game one, you know, this week. That doesn't really make him a buy low unless his owner's kind of stupid, right, or desperate, which I guess could be the case. But that didn't, you know, I can't put everybody in this podcast. To me, that wasn't really enough to meet the threshold. But once you say, okay, Michael Thomas is out rest of the season, well, then you say, well, I think his upside is higher now than people may be on to rest of season. That changes my view of Chris Olave's upside. You know, we had a little flash of it there for a few weeks where it looked like he could be the next Odell Beckham as a rookie. And, you know, maybe we backed off that a little bit, but now I think if he's got this thing, it's pretty much all to himself. No Michael Thomas. He finally got a Jarvis Landry back in, maybe taking some pressure off him. I think actually Chris Olave's upside has now increased. So, that in combination with like a mediocre week last week, I think was enough to put him over the top to get on the list this week. Um, Chris Olave is a guy, um, you know, I think, I think he's a guy that you look, that you look closely at this week. I, I, I'm, I tend to think that he's a, a buy, perhaps a buy side guy uh, this week, Chris Olave. Um, Khalil Herbert, Running back of the Chicago Bears. Um, you know, we talked about him last week. I mean, he's ultimately, he's in a split backfield, right? I mean, like, but he's been on fire. He had another good week. I just think you have to try to sell a guy like that, you know? I mean, he's really kind of cementing his value. I think people are, like, believing it now. You know, last week you're kind of trying to sell him you know, you're trying to sell him kind of on the front end of this whole situation. But now he's he's kind of, it looks like people are thinking he's entrenched in a good, good fantasy role, uh, Khalil Herbert in Chicago. Ultimately, he might be. He might be a keep, you know. I think I think Herbert, in a good way, may actually be a keep. Maybe your league mates still don't buy into him. Maybe he's just per- performing too much versus what you can get for him. But I don't know. I think Khalil Herbert is a guy that I tend to think you still try to sell him if you can. I think he's got enough recognition, name recognition and value right now. You could put him in a deal, uh, in a consolidation deal to go after a bigger time player. And I think it's like he's a respectable asset to offer. Um, yeah, so I, 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 st- I still tend to be on that side like, I mean, you just have to say, like, Khalil Herbert is, he, at the best, he's in committee, and it is a committee, but he's he is still kind of like the RB2 in Chicago, right? Like, last week, week eight, David Montgomery still a 70% snap counter, 18 touches, three targets. Um, Khalil Herbert, people are going to look down and see the 16 touches, 100 yards and a touchdown, 99 yards and a touchdown, only a 28% snap count, no targets. You know, to me, when you drill down, he's just, He's just still, frankly, you know, 
behind Dave Montgomery in, in a in a real way at this, in a meaningful way at this point. And I don't think I think it's being valued more as like a. I think people are looking at those guys as almost equal in value at this moment, which I simply just don't think is the situation, or is not the situation you should bank on or try to hit your wagon to and rely on like long term over the future, given what we know. Um, so that tells me Herbert. He could be a hold this week, but I think his value stays high. Maybe has gone higher. People might be able to buy into it a little more this week. They weren't last week. To me, you try. He's a guy you try to see what what you can fetch uh, in a combo deal for a better play a player. I think Khalil Herbert is a piece you can get that done with. If so, I, it's a, to, to me, it's a calculated. It's a calculated risk that um, that lands on the side of logical. Antonio Gibson. Running back of the Commanders, saying he similar bucket for him. We mentioned him last week with Khalil Herbert. We said, man, you know this is a split backfield in Washington. He's coming off a good game. Who the hell knows about this offense? You haven't really been warm and fuzzy or super comfortable with Gibson all season. So like, he's got the name recognition. He's playing pretty well. He's getting the fantasy points. Why not try to capitalize? I think you can. Um, well, then the question comes, much like Khalil Herbert, like we saw, I mean, let's look at it. We had another good game out of Antonio Gibson this last week, a, a solid fantasy game and a decent, like, real football profile. I mean, 14 touches, seven targets, 77 yards, and a touchdown, only 36% snap count, actually equivalent to the J.D. McKissick, 36% snap count. And those guys both out-touched and out-snapped Brian Robinson, who had a 25% snap count with uh, eight targets. So I think the argument is, like, Gibson has reemerged in the Heineke offense. He's The way he's deployed and utilized makes him more valuable in fantasy than you might expect. And, like, that's something that could continue. It may very well, but I, to me it's not clear that it will. And this is a... This is a moment in time where his value has been, I would say, restored to a great extent. And to me, that indicates that we should consider seeing what's out there for Antonio Gibson on the trade market, uh, much like Lou Herbert, again, in a consolidation trade to try to go get a better player. I mean, hell, you use those two guys. Can you take Khalil Herbert and Antonio Gibson and package them up and go after a bigger name like running back, I you know, perhaps you can, you know, can you take one of those guys and a solid wide receiver and go get yourself like a better player, a player you're going to feel better about a month from now when you're trying to gear up for your fantasy playoffs. Um, I would consider it with Gibson again. I mean, I think he's fine to hold at this point if you need to, but uh, you know, I, I would look into I I would look into that. Um, Raheem Mostert, an interesting one. I had him on the what did I have Mostert on the sell side last week? You know, much like a Gibson or a Herbert. I mean, he was way more the lead guy. You know, than those two were. Um, but at that point in time, he still had Edmonds behind him, and it's like that's a pass first offense, and it's thirty one. I think it was thirty one year old Raheem Mostert that we're still talking about here, who's never been the model of durability and 
you know, he's not a tremendous goal line guy. So I said, you know, like Mostert's value is very people like he's perform at that point. He's performing like an RB one. You know, it's just like stands the reason. Like, man, that's is Mostert really an RB one? You know, good chance he's not. So if that's how he's valued, you should at least look into it in your league and. Um, you know, so I kind of looked at him and I, and I, I'm a Mostert like loyalist this season. Saw him at Dolphins training camp, predicted some of this to a significant extent. Roster him in my leagues, um, have been more, have been smitten with everything he's done in my leagues, but I'm still like, man, can you, can I really depend, you know, does his, does his value really comport long-term with what's going on right now? It's kind of unclear. Um, so again, I think he's a Gibson and a Herbert who almost is as a hold with dynamic forces acting on him in both directions this week. But I think he's a guy who could be in play and in either direction depending on like the circumstances in your league. And I, you know, I tend to think that you know, here's interesting with Mostert. He's coming off of a little bit of a down game, so you're seeing in other places they're recommending you know buy on Mostert. And before Jeff Wilson arrived in Miami when when Chase Edmonds had been shipped off, you know, Alex messaged me immediately, hey Raheem Mostert needs to be a buy low. I'm just like, okay, he's coming I I get why you're saying that. Like he's coming off a seven point game or whatnot and Edmonds is gone now, but um, you know, if people think he's about to be like a clear cut RB one with no on a great offense with no Edmonds behind him, like you know, maybe you have unsuspecting owners in your league who don't know that, but I think a lot of people know that at this point. And it's like, okay, well, I think that 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 erases the mediocre performance last week. I think it's a mitigating factor that pe- you know people are like, I'm not going to sell. You, they're not going to sell them to you low because they are thinking the same thing that you're thinking uh, most likely, regardless of the seven point game. Um, you know, so. In my mind, even though he was coming off of a middling game, like Mostert's value was high once again. Um, coming off of, uh, even coming off of a little bit of a of a down week. So in my mind, it's like you know he may actually still continue to be a sell in that situation because his value is probably at an all time season high. Doesn't mean he won't keep returning value, but you know he's certainly the type of guy that you, like you can try to do deals with. Um, you know, if you, you're not going to be doing that many deals with guys at the very top of the mountain on your roster, you're going after guys like that. Maybe you liquidate them if you're losing team, but in a lot of circumstances, you're not doing anything with them and you're not going to really toil with the like, you know, bottom feeder names. So you get to the guys like this, the guys that are respectable kind of in that middle tranche of players value wise guys who you think might be a little overvalued. Um, and so then now you get Jeff Wilson in Miami and, you know, my view is Jeff Wilson's going to play and I think he could play more than Chase Edmonds. Um, these guys have played together before a similar style. Mike McDaniel knows them. So, and I, that's the thing I'm not sure everybody's keyed in on. So I think you've still got people post Chase Edmonds trade thinking, oh my God, Raheem Mostert is 
surging right now, which I think was a total mitigating factor that neutralized the middling performance as it would have related to making him a buy uh, a a buy low. And uh, you know, so you've got his so that value, and then to me, now you bring in a, a Jeff Wilson. I say, you know what, Edmonds might or, or Mostert might be overvalued. I'm not sure now that the market has readjusted to Wilson showing up. So you kind of have a market that is uh, pretty high on Mostert. And uh, I'm worried about the Jeff Wilson thing to some extent, you know, as far as like, can Mo- how much is he going to cut into Moster's uh, contributions? I, you know, that, so what I'm saying, it's a long way of saying Raheem Mostert's value, in my mind, it might actually be high right now compared to what it actually should be. Um, I think there's a good chance it's, just close to what it should be, and it could be a hold. But you do have some faction of people saying most of it is a buy low right now. To me, that's so obvious that it, it's it's too obvious that the market's going to absorb that data and is no longer a buy low, right? The babies, everybody's going to react and adjust accordingly. In my mind, it might be that the, the creative thing is that he is he's a sell high. He's a sell high. If people have people have uh, you know, people have high opinions of him at this moment, and I actually think they're thinking he's in a. Some people think he's in a runaway RB one situation in a great offense right now, when in fact it could be that he is. He's at the height of his contributions this season, and that as over time, it could be that he kind of comes to a bit more of an equilibrium with a guy like Jeff Wilson. I don't know that I you know most I'm not sure how much room does Mostert have does Raheem Mostert have anywhere to go but down from here rest of season. Spring is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. That's the, like, that's the question. Um, and I, I just don't think that the middling performance last, last week really is that impactful in the equation at this moment? I, I don't. I don't think that's impacting the market's uh, a view of him, and I don't think that the market is fully incorporating the arrival of Jeff Wilson uh, into most or some type of potential, you know, regression, negative regression for most. We spoke about Jamal Williams earlier, running back DeAndre Swift with the Lions. I think he's a hold at this point. It looks. 
it looks like he was he's going to play this week. For a minute, it looked like he might be out this week, which would have been interesting, created an interesting dynamic. But it looks like he's probably going to play this week. Coming off of like an 11 or 12 point game and half point PPR last week, um, but really uh, unspectacular. You know, last six weeks for DeAndre Swift, it's like. I don't think you can buy low on him at this point because he put up double digits last week and he's going to play this week. Um, you know, but I'm not sure you can really sell high on him either, right? Like he's the coach, head coach came out and said he's he's not all the way healthy. You know, Jamal Williams is having big games. I think ultimately DeAndre Swift is probably a hold, but I do think he's a guy that could be in discussions in either direction this week in your league, and it'll just depend on your circumstances, your the league mate's perception of the value of these guys. So, you know, you'll have to take some of that data and process it yourself and see if there's a maybe there's a window on a deal with Swift in either direction in your league. Um, you will have to. Uh, you know, you'll kind of have to, uh, you know your league best. You're going to have to use your best judgment uh, on that. And then at the quarterback position, Justin Fields, we mentioned Chase Claypool as a potential sell high, like, you know, as a cre- creatively, not a must sell, but maybe a sell high if you're looking to do something. I mean, you got to trade. If you want to get some done, you're going to have to trade some guys, right? Uh, I think we're talking about all names that you, like, are pretty happy to try to do deals with here as far as, if you're if you're getting them off your team and getting back people that you know you don't have the same level of unease with long term or you know historically with their uh, past performance. Anyways, Justin Fields, his value is very high right now, and Claypool's come in. Justin Fields, it was terrible to start this season. I had to drop him in a league after like a month, and I very much wanted to hold him. Ultimately, he just wasn't getting the volume. A guy who throws the ball twenty times a game. Finally, the rushing has popped off, which has really restored value in fantasy. He's been very good for fantasy uh, lately. Maybe that's just the direction we're hope- heading with Fields. I mean, I certainly kind of hope so. I think he should be used to that extent. But I don't know if he's going to have 60 and 80 yards rushing a game. Um, people are putting in big waiver bids on him right now that need quarterbacks. Uh, that People are factoring in the arrival of a clay pool. Uh you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, t- I you know, my view is Justin Fields has probably lived somewhere in between where he's been lately and where he was at the beginning of the season in terms of fantasy value. And I think there's some people that are projecting like Justin Fields has arrived and he's got big upside. They're seeing the rushing. So um, I think he's an interesting guy that if you're not totally comfortable with, you know, how. Uh, how convinced are you that he will continue on this track? You know, he, he by definition is a sell high because his value has been very, very um, attractive lately. He's put up some some big, big fantasy games. Oh, speaking of attractive Val, well, I don't know. He's an attractive man, unfortunately. We hate to admit it. Uh, but he has been offering a lot of value to Roster Watch Nation lately as a show of gratitude for all of the contributions that our loyal and devout following have made to the Trashy Man himself. Uh, we are back with another version. Week 9, win the Trash Man's money over at rosterwatch.com. Uh, it's a fun Sunday night football feature. Squares pool we're doing every 
uh, week of the season with all of our faithful. Uh, we're having a good time, and the trash man is paying our community back for you guys single-handedly bringing him out of poverty and despair. He is a man with pride and self-value um, now at this juncture of his life. And, uh, you know, it's, there's a first time for everything, and the trash man has finally decided it's time to uh, give back. So to join this week's Win the Trash Man's Money featured contest for Roster Watch Nation, just click the link on the ticker at rosterwatch.com or click the link pinned on our Twitter feed at rosterwatch uh, from your mobile device. Hope to see you in this week's Sunday Night Football Squares Pool. Um, on to the buy side of the Week 9 Fantasy Football Trade Market. You know, we've got... This is one of the biggest bye weeks of the season. There's six teams on bye. We always say, especially in a week where we're having to try to be a little bit creative, like look for these artificial, kind of contrived, somewhat manufactured bye moments. And anytime a team is on bye, like that's an opportunity um, to poke around on the players on that on that team from a fantasy perspective because you know they're unavailable this week and. You know, does that ding their value a whole lot on the season? No, but in the very short term, it affects their value, especially if it's a distressed owner who needs somebody now. So we have Cleveland that we are, is on by this week. I think this is an interesting time to start looking at. I mean, Amari Cooper coming off a good game, having a good season, and not really going to buy low on him. But I think it's interesting to look at a guy like Amari Cooper thinking about the return of the Sean Watson. Um, even more so, I think David Njoku is a very interesting target. He's banged up, out of sight, out of mind. So his value is down. He's not like Cooper. Uh, his value is currently down. And I think we're still far enough out. Um, and maybe the people haven't done all the calculations about around the Deshaun Watson return. So I think got to hurt David Njoku on a buy. Some people are probably thinking about how to drop him. He's been a very good fantasy tight end on the season. We know Deshaun Watson has historically been pretty good to his tight ends from a fantasy perspective. I think you look at a couple guys like that. I mean, obviously, you know, you know, Nick Chubb is like a dream guy to pursue this week. Maybe you can maybe you could put together a blockbuster consolidation deal and get a Nick Chubb back in return this week. Maybe his manager's a little crestfallen that Cream Hunt didn't get moved. I mean, that's, you know, I think it's something to consider. Dallas. Uh, Cowboys, obviously, there's you know Ceedee Lamb over there. I've seen uh, stuff floating around. A trade question about Dalton Schultz. I think he's an interesting guy if you're looking for a tight end. I actually think Zeke Elliott is an interesting guy right now. Injured, unpopular among the fantasy community. Uh, Cowboys on a bye. I think people are ready to just toss him in the. In the trash heap, truthfully, uh, everybody is so hi- hyped about Tony Pollard. Uh, so I actually think Zeke is a very interesting buy low. I mean, you know, have a have a good grip on what he's actually going to be when you get him back, which is probably like a flex, a really good flex player potentially. Could still be like easily be like an RB two when he returns or low end RB two. I mean, ultimately, this is still going to be a timeshare. Zeke is still going to be very involved. He's still going to have equity around the goal line. I think the offense is heating up. It hasn't been a fair evaluation of anybody on this team without Dak. You know, Zeke hasn't really gotten to prove it. As soon as Dak returned, Zeke got hurt. So I think when he gets reintegrated, um, 
I wouldn't be surprised if it just returns the same timeshare we've seen all season, which is like a 60-40 snap count split. Zeke leads it. The touches were more like a 16-12, to and they started to trend more to like 50-50 over time. You know, maybe Pollard's performance here changes that calculus, and maybe that script flips. Maybe. You know, but either way, it's still very close to like, let's call it a 50-50 timeshare. Zeke's going to be involved on a good offense. Um, so understand you're not trading for a guy with a lead upside. But if you need like an interesting flex, um, you know, long term, and you've got a distressed league mate with Zeke just rotting on their bench right now, I think it's an interesting idea. Um, it's not a mandate, but um, I don't hate the thought of having Zeke Elliott on my roster down the stretch, you know, as a flex or RB2, RB3 type if I'm able to get the right price tag on him at this moment. Denver on a bye this week. Uh, and I'm not sure there's a lot you want to do over in Denver. I suppose Cortland Sutton continue to be a buy uh, low over there. Um, I think Greg Dolchich is the guy, probably more of a waiver wire guy than a trade guy, but I think he's a guy that looks really interesting with Denver right now. Um, New York Giants, they're on buy this week. Obviously, that brings into focus Saquon Barkley. It's been a great season. You're not going to really buy low on him, but maybe the fact he's on a buy and he's got an owner who needs somebody this week could create some kind of opportunity around Saquon Barkley that otherwise just simply would not exist. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers on a buy this week. Nobody I'm terribly interested in there. I guess, you know what, My with Chase Claypool gone now, I, I rethink that. I think pick, people are on to pickings. To me, Deontay Johnson's the guy to go back after again here. He's still been, you know, he's getting, he's gotten, he's going to get a lot of targets still. And it's been a pitiful fantasy performance there. But part of the problem was it had really started to evolve in recent weeks to kind of a pick em between the three wide receivers. And I think now we see Deontay Johnson return to kind of his elite target volume, which. In this offense, even early in the season, it still wasn't bearing the big fantasy numbers. But I just think he's not going to finish wide receiver. You know, let's see. I don't know. I want to, before I throw a number out, let's see where he is right now. I mean, he's been, Deontay Johnson is wide receiver. This is half point PPR, points per game. I mean, this is pathetic. Deontay Johnson's wide receiver 57. He's not going to finish wide receiver 57 with Claypool gone. He's simply not. So I think Johnson is an interesting guy. He's on by this week. I, I would trade for Deontay Johnson this week as like a, I mean, he's a guy I'd only want like as a low end, you know, as a flex. But God, I mean, he's not a bad guy to have on your bench or on your, on your roster the rest of the way. I think if you have the appropriate expectations, which, you know, he's like a flex player with, with upside. But as we've seen, if this off- offense gets in rhythm, Deontay Johnson can have a lot of upside. Well, with the proper target volume. So, and you know, I think Kenny Pickett is a decent player. Um, we shall see, but I, that actually has just come to the forefront right here live on this podcast. San Francisco, you know, obviously if you can I don't know who you can trade for over there. I don't you know, McCaffrey's going to be impossible to pry away from anybody at this point, but being on a bye, I think, you know, Debo Samuel was somebody that we were going to talk about this week as well. Um, He's got a buy low profile. I'm genuinely genuinely concerned with McCaffrey there. That's going to eat into 
definitely part of the uh, profile that Debo's had that's made him so valuable. So I am worried there. We have seen the emergence of Ayuk. It does seem like Kittle is being reinvolved in that offense. I really thought when Garoppolo came in, that meant it was going to be a big boon for Debo. Um, but that was pre-McCaffrey. I think the McCaffrey thing takes some sheen off that. And the targets just haven't been there for Debo Samuel. I mean, let's, we'll, let's look at the touchdown dependency tool over at rosterwatch.com where we can get a snapshot of all of these important metrics. Debo Samuel, 7.71 targets per game. That's an ugly number. And I'm not sure it's gonna how much it's going to really improve. So you might have to tread a little bit lightly here. But I think if you do the buy low profile combined with being on a buy this week, I mean, it's Debo Samuel. You take your chances with a guy like that. It's not a perfect science. It might not work out, but we've seen the upside uh, there. I wouldn't go, it's not a mandate, and I wouldn't go crazy out of my way for Samuel. But he's a guy, I think, he's very buyable, I would say, at this moment. And if you're a good team, God, imagine just like kind of stashing him down as one of your flex players and watching him heat up down, down the stretch. I think you very well could. I mean, Maybe some of this stuff takes pressure off of Debo as a wide receiver. Maybe it opens up things there. Uh, we know he's an elite talent, and we know San Francisco's trending towards being one of the better teams in the league. We know Kyle Shanahan calls a great offense. So, you know, those are all, uh, you know, those are all qualities I'm willing to kind of go to bat with here um, in a in a purchasing situation at the right price on a Debo Samuel. That said, you know, part of the allure of this podcast is you know we talk about these players at large and their profiles and there's like you know there are some concerns about Debo Samuel rest of season Jonathan Taylor he he is like starting to be on a bad side of questionable to play this week you would have thought he would have gotten a big jump in value with the departure of Naeem Hines I think big picture he still does but I mean, it's ugly in Indianapolis. You know, Sam Ellinger didn't look bad last week as quarterback, but, you know, it wasn't great. And we know there's going to be some growing pains and a bumpy road um, there. And now you have, like, Jonathan Taylor, clearly not fully healthy, might miss this week. He's basically been a buy low every week of the season. And it's like, okay, at some point you're not a buy low. You just are what you are. And when do we when do we kind of just um, – pack it in on trying to go after Taylor. I think that's a fair question, but he's such an elite player. And fantasy is just so hard to actually win your league, you know, out of 12, 14, 16 people. You got to take a little bit of risk to swing for the fences here. And I mean, Jonathan Taylor, he's had, Jonathan Taylor's had two double digit fantasy games since week two, one, two, three, four, five, six. In the last seven or eight weeks, he's had two, and they've been like 11-point games. Nothing to write home about. Only 5.6 points last week for Taylor. Again, you would have thought that Hines going away would have evaporated your opportunity to try to take another crap crack at Taylor, but he's looking iffy this week. And at this point, his managers might just like, they could very well be losing teams who cannot afford to lose another game on the season. No buy until week 14. I just think that you take uh, your chances uh, uh, with a guy like Jonathan Taylor and let the chips fall where they may. And the fact is he continues to potentially conceivably be a little bit of a buy low candidate. Um, And like, we're always 
saying here, go after the biggest names of fantasy. Like if you just want to make this simple, that's a very uh, simple rule. Joe Mixon, he's been up and down and around and on this list and podcast all season. I like Mixon. I think he's a good, fine player. He hasn't had any enormous games this season. And no Jamar Chase, you'd think they might have to lean on him a little bit more. But, I mean, he had an 18-point performance in week one, half-point PPR. But other than that, it's been a bunch of 10, 14, 15, 16 pointers. He's been he's been a 10 to 15 point guy, which is actually, you know, not bad, but he just doesn't have the big games. And he's coming off of another technically single digit game in week eight. Um you know, his lowest game of the season was a five point game. I just think people aren't over the moon for Joe Mixon right now and I mean, he's one of the better players in the league and one of the better fantasy situations. I I think we have to be somewhat interested in Mixon. You're not going to rip him off. I mean, I don't think his value is in the gutter. He does have a buy coming in Week 10. You'll want to be cognizant of, but um, and maybe it doesn't happen this week. Maybe you keep an eye on him. But I do think this week is an opportunity uh, to potentially swoop in on a Joe Mixon. And, you know, I'd at least look at it. If it doesn't happen this week, let's. If he has another, if he has another down week, and then is facing a buy in week ten, um, he'll be right back on this list next week, and we can take a crack then. But you know, just remember that this stuff ebbs and flows. Uh, all that said, he's not a must buy. If you miss out on mixing this week, I don't think it's existential. But you know, if you if you are thorough and diligent and want to turn over all the stones, um. You know, you should definitely peek under Joe Mixon's rock this week. Um, injuries. Injuries are another way that we attempt to be opportunistic in our fantasy leagues. Uh, Cordero Patterson. I think he's a guy that we need to keep an eye on. When he returns, he's going to be an impact fantasy player. Falcons team that's turned pretty good. And he's kind of out of sight, out of mind right now. I think like the rich teams lavish with assets and winning records, you're in position to... Rip somebody off for Cordero Patterson and stash him and, you know, uh, reap the rewards uh, later in the season. I think that'd be so, so smart. And he's a guy I think you can get a a good deal on at this point. James Robinson, uh, running back now of the New York Jets, formerly of the Jacksonville Jaguars. An interesting guy. Other outlets I saw he was a buy low candidate. I mean, I can kind of see that coming off of a poor performance in his debut with the Jets. But sometimes you got to be careful you're not stepping into a trap. I think James Robinson could be a little bit of a booby trap. I mean, is he really going to supplant Michael Carter anytime soon as the lead guy? I have my doubts about that. I really, really do. And, you know, the fact is he's been fading in recent weeks and you do wonder like after a hot start how much does that have to do with a player coming off of a very very severe injury especially the Achilles we've seen these kind of things with some of these players so you know I think you by definition you could say James Robinson's value is low and there is maybe perhaps some upside so maybe he's in a buy situation but I don't think he's a must buy um I think he's like a must be careful about buying it's a speculative deal um you know but 
you know, he's he's somebody that's maybe in play this week. So, you know, have a look at it. Don't go crazy on James Robinson. Um, but if there's a really disenfranchised owner in your league and somehow you're able to roster him, I just it's hard for me to think that you're really going to tar. You know, you're not going to target him in a consolidation trade. And if you're liquidating a big night time player because you need a few players in return to help you win now, James Robinson's not going to be that guy. So, you know, I think that's why you guys tune in and listen to this trade cast every week is because, you know, truly I'm befuddled by a lot of the other trade content that I see out there. And most of the time it's some little list that somebody slapped together. Like, this takes a lot of work to put this podcast together to drill down all the numbers, think through all the lines of logic. And I think a lot of times what we get are like knee jerk trade targets and a lot of times they're most of the time they're they're late to the party you know we're sometimes we're a week or two weeks early you got to be a little bit early once you're late like it's great maybe it's good content to put out there but it's not actionable it's not actionable and we want to be actionable here so um, I think you guys know that this is where you get uh, the most sound trade advice every week of the season um over on the wide receiver side, we mentioned we had Chris Olave earlier. I think we talked through him and ultimately decided that he, he's he's probably not he's probably a hold this week. But I actually decided if he isn't on any side of the trade market, I think it's on the buy side. Not because of an overly depressed value, but maybe because of a minorly depressed value in combination with an in- increased upside that I'm not sure the market has accounted for with the news that Michael Thomas is out rest of the season. To me, that creates maybe a little arbitrage between his current value as perceived in your league and what his potential value is uh, rest of the season. I think it could exceed the current value to some extent. So Chris Olavi, probably a hold. I think people are pretty happy that roster him. He has been good almost every week of the season, but maybe a little sheen has come off since early in the season. A recent modest performance, you know, maybe maybe his value is down just a, just a, just a hair. And I think if you combine that with the Michael Thomas news, then you say, well, there actually may be some there may be some margin of return here on buying into a Chris Olave. But you know, truthfully, we talked about Debo Samuel, the, the the two big fish here, and this is where I get excited about this week's trade market, the Week Nine fantasy football trade market, right here on the RosterWatch.com trade cast. Uh, Devontae Adams is a down week for Adams last week. It's been an up and down season. The Raiders look bad. Um, you know, again, you're not going to rip somebody off for Devontae Adams, but the fact that he's even a player we can talk about a potential deal for, I think, is like headline news. We've seen the upside this season. Most of the weeks have been pretty good. The targets have been down recently. I think that's a little bit concerning. There is a sound, you know, Darren Waller is close to returning. Uh, you know, Josh Jacobs has really been the source of all the acclaim. Uh, in that offense this year. So I I, I think there's a little bit of a purchasing opportunity on, on Adams, and I don't think there's any player like better to try to go after to win your fantasy championship than a player of his ilk. So I'd actually put Devontae Adams on the top of the heap this week in terms of guys that I would – I would actually be in hot pursuit of Devontae Adams this week in my uh, fantasy football league. Devontae Adams gets Jacksonville this week. The buy is already out of the way for this guy. Um, let's see what the matchup tool at rosterwatch.com does. 
We have him as the number 13 matchup of the week, 48-point game total. That's pretty juicy. I think you're in store for a bounce back when it comes to Devontae Adams. Let's see, half-point PPR. Let's see where Adams is. Points per game on the season. Devontae Adams, wide receiver, 11 points per game on the season. We, we've, we simply know that, that he is going to finish higher than that, which by definition makes him a, uh, a good buy target this week. Um, if his owners, uh, if his managers are willing to sell at a value that's, you know, in line with what his current, you know, perceived situation uh, is. Jamar Chase, injuries. We talked about injuries. We said Cordero Patterson earlier. I mean, Chase, like I said, on paper, that hip injury sounds kind of ugly. And And we do always say on this podcast, like, be careful about trading for injured players. That can be the biggest booby trap of all. Um, I think you have to be a winning team in a very strong position to consider it. But if you are, like, you'll be like the tiptoe burglar, you know, uh, uh, scampering through the night into your league mate's, you know, basement to steal his favorite, you know, to steal just an absolute treasure trove of potential fantasy production in the form of Jamar Chase late season. We're here in four to six weeks. Uh, like I said, it's kind of an ugly sounding hip injury on paper, but the fact they kept him off ER, they're saying four to six weeks, like there must be confidence that he's going to be able to come back and at least be close to the player we've been coming accustomed to. The move does not come without risk, but his managers have to be worried. There was already a time on the year where Jamar Chase was a buy low, so he hasn't exactly delivered on a weekly basis the way his managers expected. So one, they could be frustrated and disenfranchised, but more importantly, two, they, they are a team that might be like, a sub sub five hundred team that does can't really uh, confidently look at the specter of missing you know for the next month out of like who they're one of their very very best players on their entire roster probably was their first round draft pick Jamar Chase was so I think if you're a winning team right now I think you go after Jamar Chase and you stash them like how could you get that done. Um, you know, I think you could cobble a couple of guys together. I don't know. Would, you know, I'm looking at the people we've talked about today. I mean, could you take, you know, could you take a Jacoby Myers and a Raheem Mostert or Chase Claypool and a Raheem Mostert to get that done? Maybe. Maybe to a desperate team you could. Maybe you have to do a tick more than that. You know, kind of mull over your roster and see what you have. But I think that's like, you know, those are the kind of offers you at least start with. Again, don't go crazy on an injured player, but you can get something done in that neighborhood and you've got the assets to absorb the injury and live without the players you part with and take the risk because the rest of your roster is good. I think you should consider it. Imagine what kind of nuclear weapon that would be to insert into your fantasy football playoff lineup, uh, Jamar Chase. Uh, other publications I'm seeing showing Devontae Smith, Philadelphia Eagles, as a buy target. Again, this is why you guys tune into the Tradecast at rosterwatch.com all season for trade advice because it's more thoughtful. It's it's much more uh, thoughtful advice, and there's nuance to all of this. So, yeah, is Devontae Smith a buy low with a good profile? Uh, perhaps he had a down game last week, but you know the targets were still very very similar to AJ Brown. Uh, he just didn't get in the end zone um, 
three different times. Let's look. Let's look. Let's look at Monty Smith. Uh, here is uh, seven point two nine targets per game. I mean, he's really turned into a seven to eight target per game guy, which is pretty good for. Devontae Smith, especially after the week one where he was like, I think he was like three or four targets and everybody was worried. I think for the type of player he is in that offense, you know, that's fine. But ultimately, what does that make him? We've talked about this before, and I'm a Devontae Smith guy. I mean, I roster him in all my leagues. I love the guy. I was, you know, I think he's a good fantasy asset, but he's wide receiver 32 on the season. Fantasy. It feels like he's been better than that. I mean, he's put up double-digit points on average. Um you know, but I think that's at this point. That's kind. Of, we he kind of is what he is at this point. He's a little bit boom busty with pretty big boom upside and a good offense. He's getting the targets. So it's like okay, okay. So you're like, all right. He had a down week. You know, is he is he a buy low? And I'm like, you know, I don't think so for a couple of reasons. At least not to a large degree for a couple of reasons. But his the people who roster him and manage him, they this is. This is his profile. They know he's boom busty, so they're not they're not crestfallen in a bad in a terrible way after one kind of down week. They like they know that's just part of at this point they know that's part of Smith's profile. But the other reason I think it lacks nuance to call Devontae Smith a buy this week or a buy low. I mean, technically you can make the argument, but you'll say, well, he's got the snap counts, he's on the good offense, he's getting more tar- the good target, pretty decent target share. But the points were down last week, so like, yeah, that that in a lot of ways that is the kind of profile we, you know, we we tend to you know talk about and look for. But you know, what is the also what's the upside with Devontae Smith? I, you know, I think in a given week it's big, but I think he's a flex player, a good flex player at this point, and we know that. So you know, a lot of times when most people when they're looking to trade for somebody, when they're looking to buy somebody on the fantasy football trade market. It's a consolidation trade. This is a big-name player that they think they're buying low on that can have an impact on their team, and they want to go cobble together a couple of middling players and go after them and go get that player. Well, I just don't think that scenario makes any sense with Devontae Smith. You're not making consolidation trades for flex players. So, again, it's just I think it's a little bit of a take that's somewhat lazy and lacks a little bit of nuance. But I will say you could trade for Devontae Smith. If he is, in fact, a buy low in your league this week, which I think you can make the argument that he he could or should be, but I think a lot of owners are going to say, well, this is just, I've already baked this into his value, and like this is what it is. But if you were going to do a deal for Devontae Smith, if you were able to buy him or buy somewhat low on him, you know, we'd be pleased with that because we like the player, but it would be in a liquidation deal. You would never be trading up for Devontae Smith. You'd be taking, if you were like a losing team that needs multiple good players in your starting lineup because you're thin in your starting lineup, then what you would do is you would take one of your good players, hopefully that you think is a sell high, and you could liquidate them into two, maybe three players that are basically starters for you that can help you win right now. If you do that, I think Devontae Smith is one of the pieces that you can be happy uh, taking in return. Let's see, folks, let's keep moving on here. A few tight ends that I think could be on the buy side this week. Um, it may be a, a little bit too late with the news that he's practicing, but Darren Waller certainly has been a massive disappointment in fantasy this season. 
you know, you know, that said, we've, we, we've seen his upside before and I think he's an important player for the Raiders. And I think tight end is such a hard position to solve, you know, outside of the top guys that I can't fault you if you take a crack on Darren Waller this week. I actually, in fact, I recommend that you do. Now, since he is on the verge of returning, you know, can you really buy that low on him? Uh, it's unclear to me, but I think he's 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 probably available to be had. And if the price tag is at, at least reasonable, I could be uh, interested. David and Joku, we talked about him, injured player on by, looming Deshaun Watson return sooner than later. I think a really sharp play. Uh, to acquire him at the tight end position if you are weak there, but if otherwise you have a really good team and um, you're just kind of looking for a solution down the road, I think it would be smart. And and, and, and Joku, I think you could get for cheap right now. I actually think he – I wouldn't be surprised if you see him dropped in a couple of leagues out of necessity um, at the moment. Mark Andrews, you know, you're never going to be able to buy low on Mark Andrews, but what an amazing – acquisition he would be like that's a league winning tight end type of acquisition he's one of the best players in the league very very questionable to play this week i think it was a down week last week some injury concerns kind of circling around we know no rashad bateman out for the season with the foot now in baltimore i mean that should mean all the mark andrews down the stretch so again you're not going to rip somebody off you might you're not even going to get really a buy low on mark andrews but Maybe he's at least available this week, and if you're a team that can fire some some big bullets, you know at 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 that deal, if you've got the luxury to do it, like why the hell not? From a he is an elite fantasy player uh, because of uh, his contributions at the tight end position, and then we mentioned it, Dalton Schultz, maybe over on the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, side of things well once again folks i appreciate you joining me right here on the week nine edition of the rosterwatch.com tradecast and i wish all of you uh, uh best wishes this this week week nine in all of your leagues and um godspeed we'll be back next week thanks folks we got to